The Pittsburgh Penguins have been sensed. Welcome back to Game Over Ottawa, everybody. Mod here once again. Finally getting to talk about a win for the Ottawa Senators. It wasn't pretty, but they got there in the end. It's It's been a struggle lately to to follow this team and to cover them as it has been, I think, exactly two weeks since their last win. I believe the, the game against Detroit, the previous win, was uh, also on a Saturday, exactly two weeks ago. And then, hell, in terms of covering the team, the last win that I got to do the show for, I think, was exactly three weeks ago, a, a Saturday game against the Kraken. So it, it's been a long time coming for this one. I finally get to have a little bit more optimism and, and fun on the show here today, uh, talking to myself about the Sens. So, 5-4 victory in overtime. Obviously, obviously, that's not how they drew it up with how that game ended, but still a lot of, a lot of positives that we can look at in terms of the first 40 minutes of the game anyway, because it sure wasn't a full 60-minute effort. I do think that once the coaching staff is able to get this team actually playing a full 60 minutes, we we could be in for some decent hockey for the rest of the season, but that's going to be, it seems like it's going to be a big struggle to actually get them to play a full 60 minute effort, as as evidenced by the first the first three games of Mountain's tenure, although thank god they got the win, it was awesome to see Jacques celebrating behind the bench at the end of the game with Alfie and all the players. Um, and it was a huge win for Anton Forsberg as well, because obviously he struggled lately and it, he was a little bit up and down in this game. I know that a lot of the players at the end of the game went directly to Forsberg to celebrate instead of Stutzla as the overtime goal scorer. So obviously the boys are really happy to get that win for Forsberg. They probably feel like they let him down quite a bit in that third period, which is fair to say, but I'll get into that a little bit later. Um... <coughs> Before before I get really into breaking down the game, since um, I feel felt like a major storyline coming into today was going to be Eric Carlson back in Ottawa. So obviously I'm going to read chat comments later. If anyone has any thoughts on Carlson, I would like to hear them throughout throughout the night in the chat because I've I've been thinking about how I feel about him being a Pittsburgh Penguin. It, it, it's been a few months now. And it still feels weird. Let me know in chat if if you hate the Penguins as much as I do, because I would say they're probably my most hated team outside of the Atlantic Division, at least in terms of uh, in terms of rivalries with the Sens. So, what are your thoughts on that? And seeing one of the greatest players in the Sens franchise history now playing for the Penguins in in that context as well. Um, if anyone has any thoughts on what are your favorite Eric Carlson moments throughout his career, because I think it would be a little nice to take a trip down memory memory lane and, and look back at some of our favorite Carlson moments. If anyone has any ideas in the chat, do let me know. I'll be, I'll be taking a look at that later uh, for some Eric Carlson comments. Um, but from there, I might as well just jump right into talking about the game. So first thing that I noticed, uh, Angus Crookshank... This was probably, to be fair, the only time that I really noticed him during tonight's game. But he had a great shift at the beginning of the game, uh, set up Kubalik for a good scoring opportunity, and then he also got the rebound for a wraparound attempt. Unfortunately, Ridley Gregg got called for a penalty on this play. I, I couldn't really see what it was, but because it was Ridley Gregg, I'm assuming that it was a legitimate penalty. He, he tries to get away with stuff, so... 
that kind of ended the momentum there. But I had to give props to Angus Crookshank because everyone is very happy with his play. Even though he didn't have like a huge impact on the game today, he had some good little moments like that. And I also, I also thought that was kind of funny. When I was writing my notes, um, the notes app on iPhone auto-corrected Crookshank's name and changed it to being spelled C-R-U-I-K, which is very strange to me. And it kept it all still like capitalized as it, it detected that it was a name that I was writing, but it's like... I didn't think this was a very common name. Crookshank spelled with a U-I. I thought it was very weird that the iPhone would, would correct it directly to that. The only, the only Crookshank I've ever heard of is, is, uh, is the guy who played Fred back on YouTube like <laughs> over a decade ago. If anyone remembers that old reference. Um, I thought that was very strange that the iPhone, the iPhone didn't like me trying to type Crookshank. Especially because it has, uh, it has managed to get used to all my other player names that I'm typing in. Like, it doesn't autocorrect Kubalik, doesn't autocorrect Chikrin or anything that, like that, or, or Stutzla, and it will even figure out when I'm trying to type these names and, and get to them. But I guess Crookshank is too much of a new one. But I found it weird that it, it tried to, like, correct the spelling, but still recognize it as a name. I don't know. The weird tangent, but I thought that was kind of funny. Uh, but then, yeah, really, Greg takes the penalty, and then this was probably the, th the theme of the night was the parade to the penalty box for the Sens, because shortly after that, um, I think it was only like 20 seconds into the penalty kill or so, uh, Giroud stayed on when he was supposed to be going for a line change, and Norris hopped on right after. He thought Giroud was going to go off. Uh, it, I think because... Giroud usually wins the face-off on the penalty kill and then just gets the hell off the ice. That kind of threw off Norris. So miscommunication there, that's obviously something that the coaching staff is going to have to look at. I think that they, I think I remember hearing that they were doing line change drills in practice, which is, which is awkward that shortly after they were doing that, um, just, just a really ugly too many men there. Cause it was, it was just a boneheaded moment from those two guys. But the, again, that was boneheaded moments leading to penalties. It ended up being a theme here tonight. Although, and I'll get into this later, some of the calls against the Sens I do think were pretty question questionable, especially on Eric Branstrom. Um, but hey, that five on three for the Penguins was actually not very good. <laughs> I, I had a feeling coming into this game that we were going to do okay on the penalty kill because the Penguins power play is surprisingly bad, which is interesting with the topic of Eric Carlson is that he, I don't know how good the Penguins power play was last year, but I'm sure they thought that adding Carlson to it was just going to put it to the next level. And it just seems like it hasn't been working. Like they were going for a lot of those slap passes and just a lot of perimeter plays. It wasn't really working out. So if, if I was a Penguins fan, I'd be really frustrated with uh, how, how, struggling the power play is and especially tonight it, it really hurt them it, it made the Sens penalty kill look good though this is the thing is just because the penguins power play ranking is really poor i think it's bottom five in the league um i feel like i can't give credit to the Sens penalty kill even though i probably should because they were good for the most part it, it's just tough because it, it, in the back of my mind i'm like well this is an easier team to defend against on the power play at least somewhat, at least according to the stats, because they still have a ton of awesome talent out there. Like, it's crazy to me that a power play with Crosby, Malkin, Carlson on the top unit, and Gensel as well, and then whoever the hell you want the fifth guy to be, it doesn't even really matter at that point that uh, they haven't managed to to produce better than that. It's it's shocking. 
to put it to, to say the least, really. Um, after that, we got a power play. Shout out to Chikrin for two great uh, plays holding the line that kept the play alive. I have to say that I would like to see Chikrin moved up to the first power play unit. I'm Sanderson has been picking up some assists lately, but I'm I don't know. I'm not really feeling his playmaking ability too much on the power play lately. And then I feel like whenever the second unit comes on after the first unit, I'm I'm pretty impressed by how Chikrin does. So I don't know about you guys, but I, I'd like to see Chikrin getting a little bit more of an opportunity on the first unit, especially since Shabbat is going to be out for a long time. Uh, had to give full credit to, to Chikrin there for those those nice plays. And then he scores on the next shift, of course. Awesome awesome for him. I think it was 19 games without a goal. So, so f very happy for him there too. We all know he's been racking up the assists lately. So nice for him to get rewarded. Um, after that though, it, it got a little bit sketchy. The power play actually did break through. For Pittsburgh with Lars Eller. It's funny enough with that again with that stacked first power play unit, it ended up being Pittsburgh uh, or ended up being Pittsburgh's second unit that actually broke through. It was just Lars Eller wide open and not really uh, not really great coverage there from the penalty kill. I, I didn't get a, a good look at it to see like who who should have been cutting off that passing lane or covering Eller, but that was the one hiccup from our penalty kill tonight. And it's not really a goal that I'll blame Forsberg on. And considering how how this game went, I feel like I have to address each goal on Forsberg, whether or not I blame him, because it's it's been a tough go of things for him lately. But that one, not his fault with how, how wide open Eller was, I think. Um, and then huge props to Brady Kachuk tonight, because shortly after that, it was actually, yeah, it was 30 seconds later on the dot. Uh, Kachuk with an awesome forecheck, keeping the puck away from the Pittsburgh defenders. He he gets kind of a wraparound that pops up in the air, and Josh Norris with the five-game goal streak, uh, batting it in out of midair. That was just absolutely beautiful. I actually, I feel like watching this team lately, I have no expectations, so I don't really even react that much when they score. But that one, that one got me... That one got me to actually exclaim. I was like, I, I couldn't believe that that was such a beautiful goal. That was one for the highlight reel right there. And Kachuk with that assist, like it, it was a little bit of a fluky one, but you knew that Brady was going to have a huge game today coming back in front of the home fans because he had a really rough road trip and hasn't been scoring too much lately. But there was, of course, the comments earlier in the season where he, he was... Uh, going at the fans for booing so since that he i think he really wants to prove himself to these fans again and just the team in general so i i had a feeling that brady was gonna have a big night tonight and he did he, he just with three points that that makes up for some of those uh pointless efforts on the road trip he he's gonna be getting the the stats looking much better again soon too and the fact that he got two assists i was very happy with because i feel like he he's usually he obviously he's a good goal scorer in and around the net, but I feel like he's usually a way better playmaker than we've seen for most of this season. Usually he he's getting more assists than goals, despite being a pretty good goal scorer. So eighth and ninth assists on the season tonight for Kachuk. Very glad to see him doing stuff other than just scoring because we need him to have that all around game and just absolutely leading this team in terms of physical play and production as well. So. Other than that missed assignment in the third period on the tying goal, losing Latang at the point, I was I was very happy with Brady Kachuk tonight. And 
I, I feel like he had had a lot of critics on Twitter lately. Uh, as I was saying about his comments still still rubbed some fans the wrong way. So if he keeps putting up performances like this, he's going to be shutting up a lot of the critics for sure. Um, and last thing in that first period, Stutzla had two turnovers in the span of like 20 seconds on our power play at the end of the period. And even though he redeemed himself by the end of the game, that has got to be something that the coaching staff is really going to be looking for with Stutzla is to improve his puck management because those were just like complete momentum killers. And and they didn't even really feel like good defensive plays by Pittsburgh. He just kind of, Stutzla was just kind of playing the puck somewhere where they already had it covered. So I think even though happy with Stutzla's game in the end here today, I think that's one thing where the coaching staff is going to be looking to uh, give him some pointers with, with some of the puck management. But into the second period, they kept the good times rolling really quickly. Just two minutes in, Kachuk getting that goal. It was an awesome pass from Giroux, and I have to say, he must really like playing against Sidney Crosby. If I remember correctly, he did quite well in our in our win against Pittsburgh earlier in the season. And obviously, they have that, they've had that rivalry for their whole careers. So we should have known that Giroux was going to have a good game against the Penguins. And yeah, Brady with his second point of the night there. Already, already talked about him. Can't praise him enough tonight. When Ricard Raquel scored, I was like, if I had remembered that he, he had zero goals on the season so far, I would have bet on him to score today because it's always the sentence busting someone's slump, I feel like. If anyone's looking for their first goal of the season, first goal in 20 games, first goal of their career, it happens against the sense, it feels like. It's it's always an ample opportunity if you're looking for one of those types of goals. So, of course, Ricard Raquel scored. Didn't surprise me at all. I'm, you know, I... Trying to remember how that goal went in. This is one of those games where you end up with so many goals by the end of it that I can't even really remember. <laughs> I don't even really... Oh, yeah, it was a two-on-one. Crosby set him up. So, obviously, defensive breakdown like that is is, again... Another thing that we're going to have to be cleaning up five on five. You, you can't be can't be allowing that sort of thing. And I think it came came after we had some offensive pressure, too. So that's another that's another goal where I don't blame Forsberg once again. Um, unfortunately, it got a little more shaky in that regard later in the game. But at least before that, we had Eric Branstrom scoring a huge goal. It seems like he only scores huge goals um, and full credit to the penalty kill on this one because this shows the value of actually being able to kill off penalties because he came right out of the box and scored, which was awesome, especially because the reason that he was in the box was pretty flimsy. Even though, like I said, we did have some bad penalties today, this this was just a bad call from the refs. I think I think this was the first of Branstrom's penalties. I could be wrong, maybe it was the second, but they were both bad. They were both very weak, so Branstrom being able to turn around and score out of the box was just awesome. I, I do have to say that I was kind of surprised that they called it onside. I, I thought that they were going to call that one back. Considering, though, the game against Colorado, where we had the review in the third period, it was very similar, I thought. So since that one stood, it would have really sucked if this officiating team decided that this one shouldn't count. Because, you know, different people looking at the angles could have easily resulted in different calls, but it, it would have sucked if it wasn't consistent. So I'm glad at least 
Obviously, I'm glad that the goal counted, but in terms of consistency, we got burned on a challenge against Colorado on an extremely similar play, so I'm glad that Pittsburgh got burned too. Although, their coaches seemed very adamant that that was offside. They they were pretty angry, and Crosby was pretty angry too after the after the review, so I don't know. Let me know in the chat. Uh, if you think it really was onside or if you if you think we got a little bit lucky on that one Because I don't know. I think I'm I'm good with it counting again Considering the Colorado goal as well that counted and I would prefer these goals to count more often than not when it's that close I feel like if the puck and the skate kind of both Go over the blue line at the same frame when you're looking at it frame by frame I feel like that should count as onside but I feel like sometimes it does and sometimes it doesn't because, again, the NHL is so inconsistent with goal reviews. But let me know in the chat if anyone has a, a decent opinion on, on whether or not you would like to see that type of goal counting. Um, from there, though, like five power plays at this point for Pittsburgh and only 10 shots on goal. I shouldn't have made any notes about shots on goal whatsoever uh, because they all became irrelevant as soon as the third period started. But I just couldn't believe that they only had that many shots, especially with the amount of power play opportunities they had. So again, for Pittsburgh fans, that must have been really frustrating to watch to sit through uh, seven power play opportunities tonight and only convert on one of them. Considering that, considering how inept their power play was, they were honestly kind of lucky to get to four goals and push this to overtime because that's usually the type of, of uh, power play conversion rate that loses you games. So, of course, the third period, though. We have to talk about the damn third period. This is where most of the positives end for the Sens. As soon as I saw that first Penguins goal, the third goal for them, uh, first goal in the, in the third period, I, I was immediately angry at Forsberg because it was just such a deflating goal to allow that right at the beginning of the period, because you knew that the Sens were just going to be sitting back and struggling struggling defensively for the whole third period. That's usually how it goes uh, when we have a lead in the third, and that's how it went in the last two games where we had multi-goal leads. So when I saw a goal go in that early in the third period, I was mad, and I was mad at Forsberg. Even though it was deflected, this might be unfair of me. So y'all can call me out in the chat again if, if you disagree, because... I feel like he should have had that one. I feel like even though it was deflected, it was just kind of a softy. Didn't seem like that hard of a shot. And I think it just hit someone. I think it hit the guy's body in front. It wasn't like a super impressive deflection with the stick or anything like that. So, and at that point, I think it was three goals on like 12, 13, 14 shots. It was somewhere in that range before Pittsburgh really started getting a bunch of shots. So that was potentially a backbreaking goal. Luckily, it didn't end up mattering, although it could have because it was it was just an ugly, ugly third period. Immediately after that goal, too, uh, Crosby was left alone, like wide open in front uh, as a, a shot came in from the point. And thank God that Crosby didn't tip it because he was wide open to deflect the puck. And we know how good his hand eye is. The Sens just completely lost him in coverage. And, and luckily, he wasn't able to get his stick on it because if he did, I'm sure it would have been a goal. Uh, Forsberg was able to make the save, covered it up, but but that that scared the crap out of me right there. Already, uh, the Penguins within a goal, and then you leave Crosby wide open like that. 
that's that's when I knew it was just going to be bad vibes for the rest of the third period. Uh, and in, in within nine minutes, the Penguins got ten shots, and we only we only got three. Which which funny enough, three is almost all of our shots for the third period in those first nine minutes. So even though even though I wrote a note saying that those nine minutes were really bad, it was better than the next. Uh, it was better than the rest of the third period for how that went. Um, and then Forsberg really scared the crap out of me again when the Penguins dumped it in from the neutral zone, and I think it leaked through his five hole. It was hard to see where the puck went after that, but I think he he spun around and managed to keep it away from the goal line, and then it was a mad scramble. Our defense managed to clear it, but holy crap, if that went in, I would have I would have actually came on here like yelling and screaming because I, I have mostly managed to not get too angry this season and more just getting sad. But that would have just been rage-inducing if, if that went in. So thank God Forsberg was able to keep it out. And, and it would have been a very embarrassing goal to allow if it did go in. It, it was kind of giving me flashbacks to Mike Condon getting scored on from a dump-in from center ice. And I think that was the last game that he played for the Sens. So I, I feel like there's an alternate universe out there somewhere where that dump-in goes in on Forsberg. And then he's waved after Christmas. Thank God we're, we didn't have to go there. He kept it out. All is good. All is good, of course, until Travis Hamnick takes a horrible cross-checking penalty. Some people were saying that Malkin dove on that one, but I feel like that's just the kind of cross-check you can't make. Uh, when it's not really a net front battle, it's just Malkin is just standing there and not really paying attention to you, and you whack him in the back. Even if he sold it a little bit, that's something that's going to get called very easily. So, shout out to Travis Hamnick for pissing everyone off in the fan base again even though luckily Pittsburgh's power play just absolutely sucks um that that was a penalty penalty that we just can't be taking especially I think that was the seventh penalty of the night for the Sens so very disappointed with that one but the penalty kill doing okay of course until the five on five goal by by Latang. we just we just couldn't keep couldn't keep the pace five on five we were, we were surviving on the penalty kill but it felt like at five on five we were just playing it like it was a penalty kill um brady loses the assignment on Latang, and he's able to shoot it in i actually thought that this one was deflected but Latang ends up getting credit for the goal so may, let me know in chat if it did deflect off of any senators players because that is that is a possibility but that one, if it went straight in, then I'm I'm not pleased with Forsberg on that one. But at, at this point in the game, you can't blame him too much because Pittsburgh with those 23 shots in the just in the third period. So it, it was a bit of a roller coaster of emotions for me in terms of it felt like we were playing so good, and then our goalie is the only reason that this game is close, or, or that the, that the game is close for Pittsburgh, like keeping Pittsburgh in the game because. Uh, Forsberg's got to have those saves, but then he ended up making 20, 21 saves in the third period. So in the end, I can't blame him at all. I, he, he was very shaky today. I thought he had his ups and downs, but he battled and managed to get the win. So in the end, I can't blame Forsberg. He, he almost until that tying goal, he, he was on pace to get over a 900 save percentage. So considering how the game went when it was originally three goals on like 13 shots, it could have been much worse. Forsberg, again, battled and did what he needed to for the team to get the win, although in the end he needed the team to bail him out with an extra goal in overtime, of course. But at least 
I, I should say as well, I, I forgot to mention this before before I was like wrapping it up on Forsberg. He did have those two amazing saves on that last penalty kill. I think on the Hamannick penalty. It was uh, two blocker side saves. How, full credit to him on those because game could have been tied already there. I think I kind of forgot about it because they ended up tying the game after it anyway. But again, Forsberg, he, he did just enough. I, I'd like to think that if the team was able to play a full 60-minute effort... Uh, that it wouldn't it it wouldn't be so much discussion about the goalie that we would just be able to uh, you know close it down in the third period and not have to talk so much about that. But of course they do tie it and it gets to overtime. Once it got to overtime, I actually did have pretty good vibes because we know that the, that this team does not do overtime losses. I would have actually been shocked if we ended up losing in overtime just because we are intent on only losing in regulation somehow this season. Um, awesome goal in overtime. Looking at the box score right now, I'm surprised that Jacob Chikrin doesn't get credit for an assist. I guess a penguin must have touched the puck somewhere in there, but Chikrin made an awesome play at the blue line to keep the puck in. It was definitely risky because it was sort of a strength battle. Whoever could be stronger on their stick to either keep the puck in or knock it out. Chikrin ends up winning that, and then it was kind of another weird battle, I think, uh, with Batherson and another Penguins player where it also could have gone the other way. If the Penguins player won that battle, they would have had a guy loose to spring for a breakaway. So it, it was totally risky plays from both Chikrin and Batherson, but they paid off. And sometimes in overtime, you have to do that. You have to take those risks to get the goals in three on three. And they're able to get Stutzla in alone on the goalie and win the game for us. Awesome, awesome to see Stutzla finally get another goal. I'm trying to remember when his last goal was, to be honest. I'm going to look at the game logs quickly because it's been a while. It was actually in that Detroit game two weeks ago. So his first goal in two weeks, and I think it's like eight games or something in that time span. The goals have been hard to come by for Timmy this season. So very happy for him, obviously. It seems like, I feel, I wonder if he has some sort of lingering injury because I don't think he's been shooting the puck as much this season it doesn't feel like it anyway and when he does shoot I feel like his shots are not too threatening unless he's on a breakaway or something like this so I don't know what it is with Stutzla but the fact that he's still leading our team in points uh despite having a very up and down season just shows how absolutely talented this kid is and we're lucky to have him and he gets the clutch overtime winner tonight to send all the fans home happy finally a win especially on home ice too because i was saying it had been yeah yeah so three weeks since that seattle win so three weeks in between games being won at the ctc obviously we had the five game road trip in there too but there was some some other losses on home ice there so at least the fans got to go go home happy we can have a little bit of optimism heading into the christmas break even though our playoff chances are pretty much zero at this point. We just want to see the team play better. And we had stretches of that tonight. The whole first 40 minutes were awesome. It's just defending those leads that they've got to work on. It's it's very scary trying to watch this team defend a lead. And it's weird too because uh, before DJ was fired, I believe the team was 9-0-0 when leading after two periods. So... Under DJ, we were actually doing very good at keeping our third period leads. I think we blew one before he got fired, which was the Dallas game. So it was 9-1-0, he gets fired. And then three games with Jacques Martin and three blown leads in the third period. Thank God we finally got a win out of one of them because 
if we had done that three games in a row, again, I think I said this about if if Forsberg let in that center ice shot, but if we had lost after another multi-goal blown lead in the third period, I would have been on here yelling and screaming instead of uh, trying to be uh, rational. <laughs> I would have I would have had. Uh, a Steve Dangle moment for sure if we weren't able to pick up the win here today but we were so we finally get to have a little bit of happiness in Ottawa the Sens never make it easy but at least we got a little bit I'm gonna throw it to the chat uh Rusty Carr saying I'm also happy that Timmy scored he seems to be passing for checking more but questioning when to shoot I, I agree in terms of the shot selection that's why I was kind of wondering if maybe he has a, a slight injury and maybe he's looking off shooting and just favoring passing much more this season. That's that's what I'm thinking, but obviously we, we won't really know unless at any point he gets like shut down with an injury and they say that it was lingering. It's hard to say. It's just pure speculation, but the forecheck it has been good from him and obviously the passing. I think like I talked about his puck management a little earlier because I noticed some bad moments of it, but you do have to also consider with Timmy that he has the puck on his stick so much that he's just going to naturally have a higher amount of turnovers than other players. So I do have to give him a bit of leeway with that. Overall, I was happy with Timmy's game tonight for sure. And just awesome to see him rewarded with that goal. I Not just because we won the game, but specifically because it was Timmy scoring. I, I actually like screamed uh, when it went in. Like I Again, I've been pretty low-key in terms of reacting during games this year. Again, because I it's just been rough and I haven't... When we win, it's not like, oh, thank God we won. It's like, oh yeah, we should have won. You know, and then when we lose, it's just it feels like it's expected. So uh, that goal actually did get me like fist pumping in the air and uh, and jumping out of my bed. So so very happy with Timmy here tonight for that moment for sure. Uh, Delta Go saying, "Who cares about Eric Carlson? He was traded six years ago. That that is that is fair enough that it has been a long time now. So I I totally get not caring about him at all. But he still is." top three in this franchise, maybe top two in terms of best players to ever play for the team. So there's still going to be some emotions there and feelings there. And I, just because I hate Pittsburgh so much, I, I hate that he's playing for Pittsburgh, but I do have to say that since the Sens are probably not going to be in playoff contention, I hope that, or I won't say I hope, but I wouldn't mind if Pittsburgh, you know, sneaks into a wild card spot and goes on a run just because I would love to see Carlson actually get another shot at the cup. But considering he's on Pittsburgh, who are a horribly mid-team at this point, I don't necessarily expect it. So it's tough because I, I don't like Pittsburgh. I don't want to see them win any more playoff series. But they have Carlson, and I would love to see Carlson have more success in his career uh, in the in the few years that he has left. So I don't know. I'm, I'm really torn on that. Delzigo also saying he blames... Eric Carlson and his leadership for the team falling apart in 2017 to 18 should never have been made captain. It should have been Phillips and then Stone. I, I do think that's a fair opinion with how badly everything fell apart for this team. You, you kind of have to, like, no one's exempt from blame, right? So Carlson is one of the major leaders on the team at that point. There was definitely blame to go his way. It, it's generally something that I don't hold too much of a grudge to him for just because everything fell apart and like it wasn't just his play obviously the locker room there was drama with that you know Mike Hoffman and the wives and everything so so Carlson was in the middle of that 
he's definitely not blameless in how the team fell apart, but with with how badly everything did fall apart and how much of a teardown it was for the team, I don't have much ill will to Carlson for how it all played out. Obviously, some things were were not the best. Some things didn't didn't play out as good as they could have in terms of locker room issues and obviously on ice play. But I don't know. I, I don't have too much of a too much of a grudge about that. Um, Rusty Carson Crookshank is the name of a pet in Harry Potter. Maybe it is spelt differently in a different language. That's interesting. I'm, I'm glad that that some of you have some some knowledge about what I was saying about the Crookshank spelling. Jamie also saying that Crookshank is a Scottish name uh, when spelled with the U-I and uh, the U-I-C, meaning crooked legs in Scottish. And then Crookshank with the O-O-K is the Americanized version, most likely. So that's an interesting tidbit. I'm glad that I got an answer on that uh, because it totally it totally could have just been me saying something stupid and and getting no response <laughs> no response from the chat about that so uh, that's an interesting little tidbit there um with the the other spelling of it being uh, a scottish origin and it, yeah so that's interesting so maybe the iphone autocorrect had a point there in terms of uh, the other spelling is more common uh jamie also said on the topic of eric carlson he's at a restaurant that jamie works at one of the cooks finds out Carlson is his favorite. He comes out to the dining room to ask for an autograph. <laughs> Carlson just looks at him and gives him a Motombo wag. I don't know what a Motombo wag is, but I feel like that doesn't sound too too great in terms of uh, it's probably like oh go away or something like that. Um, that sucks. <laughs> you correct me if I'm interpreting the story wrong there, but it doesn't sound like uh, it was the most the most friendly interaction. Uh, so maybe a little bit of a diva moment there. Uh, from Carlson. Um, let's see anything else. Best moment, Jamie saying best EK moment in a game has to be the yeah the hail mary pass to Hoffman. I figured that that that's what people would say in the chat. That's that's got to be the number one moment, especially from that um, from that playoff run. The one that stands out in my mind, just because I was at the game, was the first game against the Rangers in round two, when Carlson was able to score the game-winning goal from like the goal line in the corner by banking the puck off of Hendrik Lundqvist's head. I just feel like that was such a ballsy play to make at that point in the game, and to even be that down low in the offensive zone as a defenseman, as the number one defenseman on your team, I, that was an awesome play. Totally, I'll remember that goal for the rest of my life. I was at uh, I was also at the Kyle Turris overtime winner game in that series, but the Carlson goal from the corner specifically that that one is just gonna live in my memory. I'm glad that I was able to see that one in person. A little a little bit more discussion uh, on on that story about Carlson and the cook in the chat. Uh, Delta goes saying the cook acted unprofessionally. You shouldn't ask the clientele for anything except for their patronage, and. And also says, if EK signed something for him, it would open the floodgates for everyone else in the restaurant to come interrupt his dinner for autographs. That's a fair point for sure. So when you put it that way, you can kind of uh, understand the player's perspective in a situation like that. Uh, but Jamie also saying it was definitely not okay for the cook to do that. Uh, the security camera footage was the gift that kept on giving. Oh my God. Yeah. The manager was out for a smoke during that. Oh, God. So, yeah, awkward, awkward situation there. And uh, Delta Go also says he's the captain. He should have kept the locker room in check. 
not have not have it go that south it went south because of his drama not a fan hey i mean i'm still a fan of carlson obviously the drama was huge it was too much it was not enough for the team to handle at the time and everything fell apart but in terms of his play at least he gave more than enough to this franchise to the point that i'm not mad about how it ended especially because there were ways to move forward i think in terms of locker room chemistry that wouldn't have involved trading him with how bad the team had fallen apart at that point you could have moved other players out and try to retool in other ways and still keep carlson around so i don't know i'm not mad at him in the end but but i totally uh, understand your opinion in terms of um it didn't end well with him so it can it can leave a bad taste in your mouth uh jamie also saying uh, the finger wag to the chef crushed a man's soul oh god see see this is why i don't think i would bother any players if i saw them in public i would just be too embarrassed especially if they if they're not in the mood to take a picture or an autograph or anything like that i i i'm too shy for that so that 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 story kind of that story makes me cringe a little bit imagining myself in that situation uh rusty saying if you look at timmy's neck there's athletic tape uh sticking out of the jersey yeah it's been like that pretty much all season it feels like so maybe a lingering neck issue and i i think i can't i might be confusing this with norris having a bunch of tape but there's definitely been footage from the locker rooms where some guys have had tape like under their jerseys like on their arms or shoulders or stuff like that i, I think i'm confusing it with norris because obviously he's coming back from from the shoulder issue so maybe that's just something there to support him but I'm, i wonder if timmy also had something on his arm too i could be totally wrong because it, it definitely feels like he's he's not shooting the way he should be i remember in preseason he was scoring some absolute snipes obviously against worse goalies like ahl goalies in the preseason but they were still beautiful shots and it seems like that element has just kind of disappeared from his game lately so i don't know hopefully hopefully timmy can rest up over over the christmas break hope whatever might be nagging him or may not be nagging him doesn't end up being too much of an issue in the future although with how we're out of it at this point you do have to wonder if if he re-aggravates anything or if any sort of injury that he might be playing with gets worse uh if he just gets shut down for a while i do think that that could be a possibility but good vibes for timmy here tonight getting the overtime winner in the end i think i think that's where i'm gonna leave it for tonight pretty pretty happy glad to be going into the christmas break on a winning note <laughs> finally finally i think it was it is it two only two wins in december or three wins in december so far it's like december is the new november at this point hopefully we can get a couple more wins at the end of december to make it look a little more respectable toronto is the next game back which is going to be tough they've been up and down lately allowing the nine goals and then good bounce back win from them today i think uh getting revenge on columbus after after the crazy game they had against them before so i don't know like sends usually bring their a game against toronto we beat them once this year and then uh the loss we were the way better team and just lost the goaltending duel so i feel like i would give us a pretty decent chance against toronto although you know that toronto can make comebacks like i said that crazy game against columbus they came back from five nothing down so if we get a lead in that game if we get a third period lead in that game i'm going to be like sweating buckets because that's going to be a perfect recipe for like another blown lead for the Sens. so hopefully hopefully it doesn't play out like that 
after that, though, New Jersey, they've been up and down this season. Not as good as I thought they would be doing. So that's a beatable opponent. Buffalo, after that, also a beatable opponent. I, I don't know how their game finished against the Rangers here today, but they're kind of close to us in the standings, even though Buffalo has played more games. So I feel I feel like, even though this team definitely isn't good, the next three games are all varying degrees of winnable. Uh, if we can at least go 2-1 and one in those next three, I, I think I would be pretty content. Uh, the, the bar is low at this point, I'll say that, because it would take a miracle to get a, get a huge winning streak and go way above 500. It's not going to happen at this point, so I, I feel like i got to look ahead and see which games in the schedule I feel like we might be able to actually get wins out of, especially because after that, we are going on the road out west again, and we, we've seen how this team handles western road trips so far this season, so hopefully we can pick up a few more wins. Um on home ice and in Toronto as well uh, after the Christmas break because boy do we need some stuff to celebrate in Sensland. We got a little bit tonight, thank God, but that's where I'm going to leave it for today. Everyone, I want to say happy holidays, Merry Christmas, of course, uh, only, only two more sleeps until Christmas. Hope, uh, hope everyone has a great holiday weekend. Thank you everyone so much for watching or listening. Subscribe to STPN if you're not subscribed. Leave a like on the video if you enjoyed and share this around. Have a good night, everyone.